Coming to you from high in the hills of Oakland, California, this is Radio Free Cannabis, voice of the global cannabis freedom movement. I'm your host, Steve D'Angelo. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hello, friends, and welcome to Radio Free Cannabis, coming to you from high in the hills of Oakland, California, translated into 195 different languages. We are the voice of the global cannabis freedom movement. Thanks so much for your questions and comments. Please keep them coming in. And remember to subscribe to this podcast and to support the companies that help make it possible, Harborside, Liberty Clothing, and Homegrown. We're going to be talking about cannabis in Latin America today. My earliest memories of cannabis are intertwined with Latin America. The very first way that I started making money with cannabis back when I was a teenager was with Santa Marta Gold, a legendary, amazing strain of cannabis from La Sierra de Santa Marta in Colombia. And after that for, well, many, many, many years, I spent smuggling cannabis out of Mexico until the stuff with the cartels got too weird. And, and then in 2006, I got licensed by the city of Oakland and I stopped doing everything illegal then, just sold cannabis legally. So for about 10 years, I didn't really think about cannabis in Latin America very much. I was busy fighting off the federal government here in Oakland, California. It wasn't until I started being invited to some of the very first cannabis conferences that were happening in Latin America that I keyed in and I realized that the spark we lit here in California way back in the 90s has spread all through Latin America. There is a, a wave of reform going on there and it, it's being powered by a really deep and authentic cannabis culture that, that I'd really never been in touch with before I took my journey in 2019. And today, we are going to be visiting with uh, two of my dearest friends that I made along that journey. Danielle Espinel, who is the founder of Cana Latino, um, a amazing uh, organization. You should definitely check out on all of their platforms. And Polita Pepper. Polita is also a member of Cana Latino and is active in the Latin American Women of Cannabis Association. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about that later on, but we're going to start just with a brief roundup of what's going on in Latin America. What is the state of reform? Uh, which countries are making progress? Which aren't? Polita, why don't you kick us off with that, and then we'll hear the same question from Danielle. Yes. Hey. Uh, thank you, guys, for, for being here. Thank you so much, Steve for the invitation. So just to let you know, I'm part of Canativa, which is a Latin American platform from uh, education in cannabis. Uh, so when we start uh, in Latin America, we start because we get deport, Pedro and I, we get deport from the States and we came to Mexico, which I am from originally. And we realized that we've been learning about uh, a lot of things about cannabis. We've been growing cannabis since, we are we were teenagers i i started growing at 16 right but then i moved to california and, and i learned about the other side of the world i grew up in a country which is mexico which cannabis is full of blood 
it's uh, completely related with war, with uh, fear, uh, with a lot of violence. Um, you grew up with the stigma. I grew up in Michoacán, which is uh, the second or third state with more uh, violence presence about the cartels. So in our countries, in Mexico, when you grew up, grew up here, in this situation, you are always in touch with cannabis, but in the other side. It's not like cannabis culture that we are making now. It's more about like the violence and fear culture. Um, and so when I moved to California, I started to see and learn different things, the other side of the plant, yeah, right? The bright side of the plant. Um, I start to, to research about it. So right now I'm making, I'm writing my PhD dissertation about indigenous communities in Mexico and in Colombia growing cannabis, which is, I realized that, you know, there's a geographic situation in the production of cannabis in the world. So Mexico, Colombia, Paraguay, for example, we are growers, right? But who are the Mexican growers? Who are the Colombian growers? There is not like people like me going to university and making PhD dissertations, you know? Our growers are thousands and thousands of indigenous peoples. Um, they are not living better. They, they don't even make the decision that they wanna work with, <laughs> you know? They just, they just get in that situation because our uh, economy and political system, our governments are not um, doing <laughs> right the things. So um, there's another state living in our countries, just as the, the official state and then is the narco state as we call. And it happens often in Mexico, Paraguay and Colombia as, um, as a growers countries in Latin America, right? Then you have other kind of countries like, I don't know, maybe Brazil or Argentina, which is this kind of uh, transit uh, countries. And then it gets a picture that it's, it's really complicated because Latin America is historically uh, colonized and it's been colonized since like, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So the, that dynamic which um, our countries, Latin American countries, are just the manufacturers of the, of the, you know, the main products and then we export that and then we buy the products. So with, it's, it's became a really, another, another in, interesting plants also. It's not just, uh, we are talking about cannabis, but we are talking also about um, coca leaf. We are talking about also amapola, which is poppy. I mean, I, I think so in English it's poppy, right? Poppy flower. So we are producing that because our system make that illegal to make it expensive. So in that scene, the communities that, who are historically growing that because it's part of their, their culture, getting that really weird situation that they have to keep growing just because it's more valuable, it's more, they get, more money, you know, for each pound of cannabis or for each pound of coca leaf that they get for corn or potatoes or beans. Um, then get start to getting worse in the, I think it gets to the, uh, at, uh, start at the 80s, right? And then 
at the 90s, I think in Mexico, we're getting the worst <laughs> of the scenarios. And 10 years, 10 of 20 years after that, it's pretty much the scene that we are seeing. We have actually, Mexico is a red country, but it's a narco country. So we are totally, there's nothing, there's no political, economical decision in this country that not, not, is not related with this parallel portal, which is not the state, which is the cartels, the narco state. So that makes the, the situation of the country um, complicated because we need um, that part of the economy and the state, the official state, get totally involved with the narco state. So who are the people who is more affected? There are the indigenous people, which is thousands of thousands of communities there that are, they, they're still poor living uh, with uh, doing this work uh, and other people is making the money they are they got not insurance they got not even decision on how and how much they can produce they are just told they need to get uh, any kind uh, uh, any amount of 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 cannabis uh, every week and that's it you know so it gets really complicated in this chain of production women are uh, occupying different kinds, different places in the uh, in this, this scenario, right? Um, unfortunately, uh, they are occupying the more, with the less privilege. It's not about just women in the society in Latin America, which is having not uh, this, this pro these issues. It's also these indigenous women involved in the production of cannabis that they are having a lot of issues, right? So, more or less, this is a macro scene of Latin America. We, have, we are growing um, countries and we get involved in this situation because there's easy here for big consumers at the United States, right? We, we have a bunch of land, we have free uh, really cheap labor, we have tons of thousands of people with no, with no, with no employees, so they, they are able to work um extra hours for less and we also have historically producers of cannabis so it gets a, a, a and it's happened the same with paraguay and colombia for example so it's just uh, the this system capitalism system fits perfect in this dynamic it's just making more uh, complicated the situation with the narco which is a real thing that we have to, to talk, even if it's not the best size of the cannabis world, which is because also Mexico and Latin America is getting involved in the right, the rightness of the cannabis movement that we are part. But we are also uh, have to name all that thousand of thousands of people that are there, they are like in the world, in the world size of the war on wars, and they are like working hard every day, you know, in the shadows of this right movement about cannabis here in Latin America. So it's more or less my perspective. <laughs> well, that's a very wide perspective. And <laughs> I think that we can see uh, just how complex the situation is in Latin America. There's a number of, there's a couple of different cannabis cultures that are going on. There are producer countries. There are countries that are mainly transit countries. There is uh, a murky situation going on with the state and with the cartels because 
nobody really knows what's going on, but everybody knows that something is going on. Um, Danielle, could you uh, give us a, your uh, a perspective on the larger picture in Latin America and maybe um, talk to us a little bit about what's going on in terms of reform in different countries? Well, thank you for inviting me here. It's really a pleasure to be part of this, especially in this time, because like you say, when in the 80s and in the 70s and even in the 60s, here in the United States, people were fighting the illegalization of cannabis. We still have a very, very, very wrong idea of what cannabis was. And our culture was led by fear. So we do not believe on anything that any other countries were saying. We do not believe that it's a medicine. We believe it's a drug. To put it in a perspective, a Latino mother will help you if you murder someone. We'll put it in the garden. But if you're selling marijuana, you'll get out of the house. You're out of here. So that is the same perspective that we have since the 20s when this, when this illegalization started. Especially because it was very targeted, like Polita said before, we are the people who grow. We are the people who produce. I am originally from Venezuela. I'm one of my country is one of these trafficking countries that drugs we don't produce, but we let cross. And that also teach me <laughs> a lot of things, you know, and I can see a lot of situations. I've been also in different countries in, in, in Latin America. I live in Peru as well. My dad is from Argentina, so I live there. And now I'm here in the United States where I can see a different, completely different type of culture about cannabis. The way that we see cannabis here in the United States, it have more logic, it make more sense. So definitely I think every country in Latin America that is pushing forward for this legalization and to get as well the best industry in this new industry that is also, you know, it can help also the world because it's biodegradable, because all the good things that we already know, these are things that we don't know in Latin America. So every country that is pushing forward for the legalization, I think is in a good uh, way for me. And I'm definitely supportive. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, we've been talking about the cartels and, and you know, what, a, what a strong role they play. Uh, but we have countries like Colombia and like Mexico that are moving to legalize cannabis or at least reform cannabis laws in the direction of a legal industry. What do the cartels think about legal cannabis? Well, um, I think it's tricky because cannabis, of course, it's a plant that is not as addictive as cocaine or as any other substance that, of course, the cartels distribute and distribute and can, you know, like have more people hooked that it's still a very good amount of money that they have. So I think uh, from my perspective that it has to be a situation where we can talk with the cartels and with the government, because like Polita said as well, 
these people are been doing this production. They have the knowledge. And why do you have to waste all the knowledge? I'm looking for a piece. I'm not saying anything crazy. And I know it's super hard what I am saying right now, you know, almost impossible. And it, but in my world, like Alice in Wonderland, you know, it could happen. And it could happen as well if we educate everyone and every, you know, single one of us in our country. We can definitely have better industry that we can all participate, not just the government or the narco. This is a plant that it have to be for the people and for the real owners of the land, the people who are born in that place. <laughs> And again, I, I was, you know, like, I'm from Venezuela. I'm from here with Colombia. I know exactly what you were saying. I grew up with cartels, news every morning in my, in my TV or, you know, even close to my house. Uh, but as well, it, it's, it's, a, it's a different world. And right now we have as well, as well the science. So I think we can find a way if we are educated enough. And Polita, you're right there in the heart of it, Meshua Khan. Um, how do you think the cartels are going to react as legalization starts moving forward in Mexico? Will they try to stop it or will they try to become a part of it? Is there a realistic opportunity to welcome all of the small indigenous producers who have been supplying the cartels into a legal system? Well, it's a really interesting co uh, question, Steve, because it's really complex question also. I have some some um, some things that I think we can like we can share here, which is like reality is complex and it's full of different perspectives, right? So in one perspective, I think the cartels, the, the narco state, it's already in the scene. Uh, I mean, they are already being part of this regulation. They are really being taking places. They are already talking with politicians. With a, they, they, are, they are not on a sphere of queer people living in their, in their huge houses. They are being, um, they are making, uh, they are, I don't know how to say, they are, they are a really important part of people, they are being considered when people, when other people is writing laws, for example, uh, the narco state is already being part of the movement in so many ways. These narco people, these uh, leaders of the cartels are also leaders or uh, big um, other business, legal business. So they are people that are active in the political culture in our countries. They, they are making money in so many legal business also. So they are an active part of that, you know? So, so it's really, it's in some, in some level, um, they are already there. They are getting information about how legalization is gonna be if they are taking their role and who uh, it's gonna be there, you know? And of course they, are, they will be there for sure. So in which way? is the main important thing, who, who, cannabis for who? Uh, of, of course, uh, the cartels are taking part because they are already there and they are not just part of the political movement of legalization. They are being part of the political movement in anything in Mexico. They are, I mean, they are being part of everything, <laughs> you know? Um, they're pretty much control the country. So for sure, they're gonna be here. 
in which way is the, the, the thing I, I think we can like make our, you know, uh, predictions. Uh, I think they, they are really interesting. They are, there are so many. I, in my um, uh, field research, so I'm being realized that there are so many cartels working uh, in cannabis production real close that legal countries are doing in order to just get ready for when the, the legalization starts. So they, they, they are like making their operation with the um, really close to the, the way it's supposed to be. They are starting producing greenhouses, they are starting uh, cl uh, cloning, they are uh, starting to stabilizing genetics. So they are in this thing. So there are other kind of level um, because there's some different level of production. You have the, the fields, the, like, like the more often we see, which is thousands of thousands of plants, females, males, whatever, uh, every, everybody, everybody together enjoying the, the nature in the mountains of Mexico, which is full of cannabis. And you have also the next level of production, which is like greenhouses, in which you have also the next level of production, which is like big operations indoor, like kind of indoor, like kind of greenhouses, but with high technology, which is coming from the States, because these people have a lot of money, as we can remember. So they have all the resources to start growing in different levels. So they are getting there. They are already there. So um, how, I think the question that you point is more how like um, we people, like normal people so, uh, the, are going to change from the narco state to the legalization. Uh, and we have to be more uh, politically active uh, about this because this scene is pretty much taken by the big business uh, industry and for the narco uh, or cartels of whatever you want to call it, this illegal industry, um, who is, the play, uh, who is um, fire, talking about our place, people place, this uh, historically producers place, um, the women place, the consumers place. This is the, the more uh, delicate situation, uh, I think. But of course, they are already being part of the legalization. Um, you know, I, I, your words really resonate for me because when I think about legalization in Mexico, I'll tell you that um, there are times that I've almost felt guilty about pushing legalization forward because I think about the people that I used to buy cannabis from, the Sierraños, the people who live up in La Sierra de Mexico. These are people who, who fled for a number of reasons from mainstream society and went way up into the mountains where almost nobody else will go. And they're fiercely independent people. Um, they have a hard scrabble existence. They grow in some cases some really great weed before it gets butchered, being smuggled into wherever else it's going. And I worry about them uh, because they were, they were beautiful people who took very good care of me in very dangerous situations. And I hope that whatever happens in, in, in Latin America and Mexico, that the people who have been suffering under prohibition, not the cartels who have been making a huge amount of money, but the people who have actually been putting the plant into the ground for all of these years, 
Um, I think all of us really hope that there's a way that they'll be welcomed into the industry, not just welcomed into the industry, but given an equitable place in the industry. May that all be so. Thinking about these two cultures, um, uh, these two parallel cultures of cannabis in Latin America, um, Danielle, could you, you know, give us a little bit more insight? It seems that um, uh, some of the um, some of the change that we're seeing in Latin America with attitudes towards cannabis is, is being driven by by people like you who and Polita who have had an opportunity to be here to see the changes and then and then carrying it forth. But you know. I was just amazed, um, both in, 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 in Mexico and in Colombia, by the huge numbers of young people with dreadlocks, listening to reggae music, talking about one love, uh, uh, adopting plant-based diets, having a very different kind of idea of gender relationships. Um, uh, could you tell me a little bit more about that other cannabis scene? Where does it live? How does it operate? How, how do our audience learn how to link up with it? Well, um, I think it's, again, it's part of the culture of the same, the same uh, education that we were, that I've been talking about since the beginning. Uh, we are also Catholics and Rasta state the Leviticus as the first book. So what we know about cannabis and the culture of the Rasta is well known through, again, through religions. We're looking for faith through these plants. We're looking for something to believe. And I think that is something that all humanity is looking in as, as well, the way to express themselves and the way to be who we are. So we have all this new culture in Latin America called Latin X, where we can definitely be whoever we wanna be. If you wanna be, it doesn't matter the gender, it doesn't matter the color, it doesn't matter you know, what, stop you before right now we have the same rights and we have the same right as well to feel the same way as any other human being it's a little bit i think to think um you know to put ourselves in other people's shoes and understand that we are all united like every single religion is insane you know it's not just me <laughs> and uh, as well uh, i think it's, it's very important because this bring a lot of women uh, that are working in the industry, that are working in the fields as well, and a lot of mothers, sisters. It doesn't matter, you know, like this start with mothers, and but it doesn't matter the gender right now. People are saying, no, well, the plant is female. The plant is for us, for humanity. And we are as well for the same reason. So I think it's a big opening, not just to know about cannabis, but know about ourselves and what we can do better in the world and in our hearts. Polita, one of the, um, one of the things that we had an opportunity to do together in Mexico was to go to not just one, but actually a, a couple of different cannabis cups. And I yeah. was- uh, really um, struck by later on finding out, you know, how many other cannabis cups there are. And um, could you talk a little bit about that scene? Because it, it seems like there's just a huge amount of activity going on in Mexico right now. Yeah, there's a lot of things happening like cannabis. Uh, actually, you know, it's not just uh, Mexico. It's, I think it's a Latin American movement, you know, like in Argentina, for example, like Cannabis Cup starts 20 years ago. So we're 
the, the other side, let's talk about the other side <laughs> of the cannabis movement, right? This different side, which is pushing forward um, the old perspective of the plan, which is love, liberation, emancipation, and freedom, which is really the, the um, you know, the path of the, of the plan that we actually really learn for people as you, in between other masters, you know? Um, so this like a growing culture, but in some countries like Chile or Argentina, start like they start making cannabis cup 20 years ago. So we are talking about 20 years of making illegal cannabis cup in Latin America. Then uh, you have different, all uh, so many countries: Brazil, Costa Rica, um, Colombia, uh, uh, Ecuador, uh, making cannabis cups. Uh, and in different situations, in Mexico, we start the official, I mean, official, because it's not official, because it's still illegal, because guess what? Everything is still illegal in, in Mexico. So we start making more noise about cannabis cups like two years ago, because cannabis movement also in Mexico, activism, the symbols of activism in Mexico is taking finally, but by people who wants um, to show that we growers are also good people, you know? We are also people doing other works. We are also studying, we are also teaching. We are also cannabis educators. So in order to put that scene to the world, we decide to get on the eye of the hurricane, as they say, because we are not doing anything wrong, because we are using that uh, argument that we, are, if we wanna uh, be users, with, um, which uh, free of that violence that we've been talking about until now, we have to grow our own. It's the only thing in places which are which still illegal. It's the only way to keep our hands free. It's the only way to tell our mothers, our sisters, our neighbors, and all the people that this is a plant. It grows in our homes. And we gather cannabis cups, as you well know, is just a gathering of people who grow weed and uh, grow weed and wanna learn more. You wanna like uh, 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 talk about this, uh, genetics, and when you wanna exchange clones, you, you wanna talk with people like you because we've been behind the scene, uh, behind the computer and the growers uh, cannabis cafe or all that places with not even using our names because we've been afraid of telling the world that we are growing our own medicine because cannabis is our medicine, it's our uh, uh, sacrament, it's part of it from our tribe and we are just making community um, grow, you know? So it's been really interesting. I'm really happy that you came the last cup. Um, that thing, it's also making our moving road because when people from other places with other perspectives come to our communities, uh, we grow. When you talk your histories about like bunch of thousands of histories of being in illegal situations, and then you became that 
figure that you are now, that educator, that master that you are now, that's just in, inspired, not just growers, as means so inspire moms and inspire thousands of thousands of people that are seeing that video on Facebook to look, there is something else. There's some other kind of different people involved. They are just having fun. They are just growing plants. It's all about that. They make a competition for people for growing plants. And yeah, that's pretty much what it is. It's just a celebration. And it's not just about competition because it's, it's about the pretext to get together to celebrate our culture, this size of the culture. I will love to some, in some years, hope not too far, we've been together again, talking with us, with people from other countries, from other royals, our historical royals that we also going to visit in Colombia with the NASA, or you guys when we were to Santa Marta, or here when you were to Oaxaca, and just gather in the same, in the same cup to keep learning and sharing because we are just celebrating that we grow a plant. And most of that view, uh, it's been inspired for so many people as you that being tell, telling us that we have not, we have not to stay anymore in the shadow. We have to speak louder that we are just growing a plant. If that plant is part of our freedom. It's, it's, it's so powerful, the way that we inspire each other. You were inspired by me coming to Mexico. Totally. So charged up and energized and just joyous to see what was going on in, in Latin America. It was such a, a validation of the way that I've spent my life. And I was really struck um, for the audience. Um, we had an opportunity, the three of us, to be a part of a group of people who was moving around together, various different cannabis events. And we came from all around the world, from like 20 different countries and had different religions, different colored skins, spoke different languages, uh, occupied different places in our respective societies. But we meshed together instantly. Uh, we got to know each other. I mean, I felt like I was home. I felt like I was with people that I'd been in a hippie commune with for years and years. It was just so comfortable, like your most comfortable pair of old jeans slipping on. And, and coming away from it, I, um, I came up with this idea you've probably heard me talk about before called One Tribe. The idea now that there's hundreds of millions of us all around the world who have been touched by this plant, who have had the same experiences, and we've developed a, a common value system. And, and that makes us really one people, one tribe. And, you know, sometimes it was such a powerful feeling for me. I, I just have to check in with some of the people I was with is how was that all real? Danielle, was that all real? Yes. Yes, it was. It was magical for everyone who had the chance to experience that and that exactly feeling that Polita was describing in the cannabis cup is exactly what we need to give as well to other people let them know that we are not criminals we are not doing anything wrong we didn't have anything horrible we 
even have dogs and cats and kids in, 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 in the street that are taking cannabis today. So why not have these special places where you can go and get education and get information and know what other people are growing are growing. One of the things that is also super important is that we as mothers of cannabis patients, we have to learn how to grow our medicine for our kids. And the best way to learn all this, because there's really, no, you know, not all over the world, we have a system of education, a cannabis university, or something that it can really give you sometimes even the basics. So these cannabis cups underground or whatever they do with it, they're really the first step sometimes for mothers to save their kid's life or their parents or someone that you love because you're going to have the information there of how to grow a clean, a good, they're looking for the best of the best. They are learning from the best of the best like you. So it's really magical going there and have all of you guys and be part of this tribe because it really, I really feel it. Look, I'm all <laughs> chinita. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, the same thing. I, every time I, 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 I think back on those times and the energy, it just, it gives me so much, so much power uh, and so much determination to, to move forward, so much joy. Uh, how, how did that feel for you, Polita? Yeah, I, I share all of with you the same feeling, say, you guys, I think it's about, it's really important that we get empowered and we are like in in this latin american movement we are we are being honored not just you know our all our ancestral people who are in touch with like intelligence on these uh, power plants we are being honored them honored the plant but we are also being honored thousands of thousands of peoples who have been fighting for the put this size of the cannabis uh, into the into the the world because prohibition it's been so strong in uh, so strong base in the stigma that is not just that we cannot use cannabis as we want to is that we being stigmatized um, with this all of propaganda of Latin Americans or like black people. And there's so many issues involved in that prohibition, colonial, uh, extractivism, colonialism, you know, um, uh, even um, machismo uh, in, get involved, you know? So it, we being honored, just not all of these, our ancestrals who are historically honored, um, power plants, we are also honored when we gather as today and we speak loud, we are being honored all of thousands of thousands of people that like uh, in other decades as, as you or, or Paul Stanford or you know so many people risking their lives for being speaking loud about the plant, but we are also honored thousands of thousands of thousands of people in the shadows that we can even see and know and realize how their lives are being there in the middle of the favela, these kids, you know, like try, uh, 
who are like involved in the traffic of cannabis uh, or their moms being in jail. Uh, so there's so many people that we've been honored when we get together and we talk about the, the path of the freedom, which is cannabis. And when we honor our own tribe, that we learn that for people as you, um, that this makes a change in the world and the energy of the world. And that's for sure, it's, it's making things different. It's be, it, we are now, this year, most than, you know, we, can, we cannot deny this is a crazy world. <laughs> you know, we are not prepared for anything. <laughs> so what we have is our strong belief that freedom, it's about speaking loud about what we believe. So we've been honored all that so many, 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 many people. So that I think that's, it's what may, uh, pretty much making our, is what it makes a good tribe strong because we are thousands of thousands of people that maybe we even uh, meet yet or we haven't met, but we, we are in the same, in the same tribe. That's, uh, that's exactly. I'm sorry for my English. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that, I think that everybody's should be understanding. Well, I'm certainly understanding well, um, because I feel the same thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's so remarkable. There are so many of us from so many diverse. So many who really have learned the same lessons, who have the same values, who are working towards the same kind of world. And, and it gives me hope for the future. You know, collectively, we're larger than all but the largest nations on this planet. And if we can learn how to talk to each other, like we're talking to each other now, if we can meet each other and learn from each other and inspire each other, we will be able to move this world in the direction that we know that it needs to go. I'm certain of that, certain of that. One of, there's so many distinctive things about, about Latin America that I wanna jump into. Um, I'm just gonna just briefly mention how inspiring it was to me to be amongst indigenous people who had thousands of years of history of using visionary plants for spiritual purposes. It, um, it, it was another one of those very validating moments where I realized that we're not trying to bring back something new that human beings are just discovering. We're just returning to our ancestors. We're just returning to the plants that human beings have used for millennia among millennia in order to guide us, in order to put us in touch with our hearts, in order to reset our perspectives, in order to make sure that we're walking the right path. Someday we'll do a whole show uh, on that. One of the other distinctive things I noticed in Latin America was how many of the really most dynamic, active, effective cannabis activists were women. And this is in a land which is known around the world for macho, machismo, for patriarchal structures, for the suppression of women. This is in an area where uh, femicide is a huge problem. Um, uh, how, did, how did this happen? Why have women occupied these leading roles in the cannabis movement in Latin America? Well, I think it's 
a little bit of what I told you before. We are, a lot of ours are mothers. A lot of ours are responsible for the health of others. And of course, this is our role as a mother, as a, you know, head of the family. We cook for other people as well. So we prepare the chemistry, basic chemistry in every meal. <laughs> so it's just logical that we also ask for the best medication for our kids, for uh, the first non-lethal medications that we can have. As well, I think um, this is the first time as, uh, in the industry, in the times of times of any industry, that we have as well the roles of CEOs and honor uh, of companies, not just in the United States, but in the world. But another thing that I think is very distinctive, and this is why no one can tell you, is because, again, you're not going to tell me how I'm going to save my kid's life. This is a violation of a human rights if you tell me not to save my kid's life, right? So it's really easy. I think also, also the, the fact that the plants where we get the medicine is a female. It's a really clear message, especially when we come from a tribe, when we hear our ancestors, we hear the call of our Pachamama, which is also a female spirit. And we also hear the spirit of the plant calling us for the new generation with people with endocannabinoid system balance. That's all. <laughs> yes. Polita, your thoughts? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to speak a little bit from what I feel from this side of the border, which I, I think it, it feels uh, different. I think, um, well, Latin America, it's um, a region with really strong patriarchal system and machismo. You can, you, you came here. You just have to walk into one street, being a white man, to, and you can realize, you can breathe that feeling. Well, so in Mexico, which is the, the country I live now and I, I which born, um, Mexico kill 10 women daily, just because they are women. So there are different wars taking place in female bodies, right? So I think this is, uh, this is about, uh, this is not just um, about cannabis movement. It's not about just women in cannabis movement. It's about feminism um, in Latin America because it's so much violence, it's so much patriarchal system, it's so much um, the way that our governments, our states use our bodies to war, like, uh, you know, that kind of huge, um, be a woman, a huge amount of women being killed just being for being a woman. It's clearly a war of our society right, right, uh, being right, in the female body, it's uh, it's uh, it is that of situation. So what is happening? Why are women in Latin America taking all the scenes? If you can see, uh, feminism in Latin America is just exploding. It's awesome. It's just not Mexico. It's 
Chile, it's Argentina. It's not just legalization in, in, canna in cannabis. It's just legalization of equal marriage. It's legalization of, um, I don't know how to, it's abortion that you say in English. Um, it's, it's not just that. It's just being uh, people of the same same gender want to get married. It's people that want to know doesn't want to have a one gender, it's like you're not binary people. There's so many people being uh, part of this movement, just so many guys also being part of this movement. That's just, it's, it's just uh, um, an answer, I think, of what we are tired of that system. You know, some 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 people said no, but feminism in Latin America is really violence. And I tell them, so in my country, 10 women are being killed daily. Is this not enough violence for you to take the streets? So I've been cannabis women in cannabis movement. I also get inspired of all that women movement in Latin America, they are uh, going to the street, taking places, um, uh, and, you know, like, speaking loud about not just our rights, in, it's also about the, the new world that we want to live in, in which we are not putting in a, in a place um, that it's automatically, you know, the, the first oppression that we have in the world all of us humans, it's being a woman, and it's it's a oppression that you have before you born, when you are in your mom's valley, <laughs> valley, you know. So we are so tired of being in this size, in this in this size, in the, the oppression with the less privilege for so many centuries that we are taking all the places that we have until the situation change. A sense of what we are doing in the cannabis movement. We are tired of the state telling moms what, what is good or not for your kid, but we are also tired that you have to, um, that people in the industry, industry have to uh, sell their items. Why do you have to use a, a female body always to sell a pipe? You can, we, we cannot get more creative sometimes. We have to always sexualize. We have to always uh, uh, object, uh, make female body seen as an object. We cannot be in a different industry as we are making a different world. We think in that we can create more employees. We are like using even the intersectionality in all of our uh, work. So why? <laughs> we are not putting feminists in speaking loud also in cannabis movement. I think we, it, it, this is a historical moment, a moment for the women in the world, not just in the cannabis movement. This is our moment. We need equality and we are not uh, putting that in, this, uh, in, in the table so we can talk about it. No, we are <laughs> going to the street telling we are tired. We just need to change that because this world as we are, being in the less privileged place is not working. It's just enough. It's not, uh, uh, machismo is not working. Uh, racism is not working, you know. Um, prohibition is not working. So let's stop this model of world 
that we've been practicing and practicing and it's just not working for anybody. War on war is just not working. All that fails <laughs> have to change. So feminism is speaking loud in Latin America that we are tired or being killed just to being women. We need, and we are not asking for, we are taking that place. We need this to change and we need it now. So women in cannabis movement are just taking this, the same the same wave, you know, and we are surfing it. <laughs> this is our moment. We have to live it. We will have to start to live it now. We need equality right now. <laughs> you know, I think it is pretty much what is happening in Mexico and in Latin America. Yes. Uh, if we don't seize our freedom ourselves, we will never get it. Uh, the people who oppress us are not going to willingly give it up to us. We must demand it. So the prominence of female cannabis activists in Latin America is really just a, a feature of a much bigger, broader feminist movement that's going on, which is challenging patriarchal structures and attitudes across the board. And it's a, for me, as the son of a feminist mother, the proud son of a feminist mother, um, and as somebody who believes that one of the lessons that cannabis teaches us is to respect the dignity and the livelihood, the wellness, the place in the world of every single human being. Um, and of course, most especially, the human beings who give us all life, uh, women. I hope that this fire that we're seeing down in Latin America spreads, continues to spread, and that it spreads all around the world. It's certainly needed. Um, perhaps one day we'll be in a world where men and women will make decisions together. And I think that's going to be a far better world than the one that we live in here today. We're rolling into the end of our time together. So I'd like to give each of you the opportunity to speak about anything that we haven't covered yet and to tell us a little bit about what you've been doing, uh, what you are going to be doing going into the future. Do you want to take the, the first turn at that, Polita? Yes, thank you, Steve. Just, um, we've been having a great time. I've been having a great time with you, sharing with you in, in, this, in this, new, <laughs> this new way as, as we are 2020 gathers <laughs> right now. Um, I really appreciate um, to share with you. I, I've been working this 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 times and I still working in cannabis education since my platform which is Canativa. So um, we've been working in, in in move to the digital world which is pretty much a world right now. And we are uh, we we have this strong belief that is education is the tool of social transformation, the social revolution. So um, I've been doing the same thing <laughs> i i mean so canativa is is one of my 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 main works right now and the other thing that we've been we've been doing is like uh, putting that female saying uh scene uh, loud so unfortunately because this situation of pandemic we cannot uh, show our documentary which is called canadicas which is the first Feminism, uh, feminist documentary about women in cannabis. We, we have uh, very different countries involved. 
uh, uh, this is a really cool movie which uh, 200 women of 30 different countries take their cell phones and make their voices um, they speak about which is for them being a woman or a lesbian or a queer people or a non-binary people in the cannabis world and we're supposed to to show at the spanabis that we cannot even see each other when we were there you know um, but uh, i hope that um, i have good news anytime soon that our, our movie being shown this year so we are working in how kind of presentation we're gonna do and i will keep working in education which is education is the the most important um tool for get the uh, people minds uh, change so that as we are pretty much doing in canativa also and for hopefully we've been sharing some other gathers uh, inspiring people as you as danny uh, I hope really soon we can hug each other in some place in the world and keep learning from each other and inspire us. And that's pretty much for, for me, for these times. I was so impressed by the work of Canativa. Canativa is a really grassroots, on the street, super active educational collective. And I watched them in multiple different venues. Um, like in the middle of a cannabis cup where everybody's partying, everybody's music, there's a million distractions going on. Where's Polita? Where's Polita's crew? Where's her partner, Pedro? They're talking to a crew of 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 people who are intensely focused on them, learning about cannabis extraction or learning about basic cannabis uh, chemistry or learning about the various different wellness uses of cannabis. And, it's such an important work, uh, and they do it so very well. Um, we're, we're Education is our weapon, dude. <laughs> um, and where where can the audience stay in touch with you, Polita? Yeah, totally. So you guys can go to the Canativa um, uh, webpage or even to the Facebook Canativa with a double N, Canativa, in and B. <laughs> uh, and for me personally, I'm in social media as Polita Pepper. So you also can contact me as Polita Pepper or in Canativa uh, pages, either Facebook or Instagram. We are in the web now. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank so you so much, Steve. Um, and I encourage all of you to, to stay in touch and see what's going on in Latin America. Danielle, um, same question to you. Uh, anything that, that I haven't asked you that you'd like to cover here? And what are you up to? Um, what are you up to now? What are you looking ahead to in the future? Well, um, I think I already said that this was a pleasure. I, like Polita, I'm super sad that this is over. We need to have more time. <laughs> and of course, there's so many things that, 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 you know, that we can touch. We can talk about how make this the new normal, how to break the stigma, how to especially give the right place to women and of course to human beings, no matter 
what you want to be, what makes you unique is what you have inside. So I think um, my message as well uh, um, is that knowing that Latin America has a great culture, has a great movement about cannabis. We are here to legalize, to educate, like Polita says. And remember, Uruguay, Uruguay was the first country to legalize cannabis in 2013. So we are on the market and we are doing it. So we are out there, everybody who's watching as well. I invite every one of you, not right now because we have this situation, but whenever we can go outside, go to Latin America. It's a beautiful country. And of course we need all the education that we can, uh, especially from people, masters again, like you, and people that wanted to bring, of course, all the knowledge to educate these beautiful, all the countries in Latin America. Um, I also am the founder of Canal Latino. Canal Latino is the first media channel uh, in education here in the United States for the Latino community. So like Polita, uh, we did give education to the Latino to know uh, more about the cannabis. So we're always giving education online as well. And I'm also promoting everything that you can. We have as well a magazine that it's yearly, but you can also have information there about the legalization and how it works in different states as well. So people here in the United States as well, Latinos know what to do and how to behave because this is very important. Uh, we are also helping anyone that is a mom in all the world and speaks Spanish with our platform Cana Madres as well, that is part of the Cana Latino. And of course, we wanted to promote everything that is against woman violence because it's very important that we have this issue. We have to stop the violence against each other, but definitely more against women. So I think that will be it. We're still, you know, you can find more about us in our website, www.canalatino.com. We'll have all the information in Spanish. And as well, we are as Cana Latino, Cana from Cannabis with double N and Latino from Latinos. Yeah, as well in the social media, you can find us as Cana Latino. So I hope you can send all the questions and everything that you have in mind to our way. And we're definitely happy uh, to help and to educate. Again, this is a great opportunity. And thank you very much, Steve, for inviting me and let me be here with my adorable friend, Polita, my partner in so many things. <laughs> and of course, with you and now being part of your tribe, we are gonna definitely change the world even more. We are doing it. <laughs> we are doing it. We are doing it. And I am uh, so impressed with the work that both of you are doing. When we talk about building a global cannabis freedom movement, when we talk about building one tribe, one cannabis tribe, when we talk about one day moving as one to build the world that we want, it's the kind of work that Polita and Danny are doing in the trenches, rolling up their sleeves, teaching people the basic facts about cannabis. Because what we know is that once people are introduced to the truth about cannabis, the plant does the rest for us. So thank you both for the, the great work that you've done. Um, many of the people who are listening to this podcast 
are still in countries where prohibition is, is very, very much in place, where the shadows still look quite, quite dark, where the light looks a long, long way off, where perhaps they may be facing a trial, they may be someplace where they can't get cannabis, they may have to hide their cannabis use from their family, from everybody that they love. They may be living in deep fear. But we are coming. We are coming. Uh, we are a global tribe. And I'd like to close out this episode with uh, any advice that, that you have. Let's start with you, Polita. Um, speaking to our tribe members around the world who may still be living in the shadows. I'm, I'm speaking for people from our tribe living in the shadows. And I speak from Mexico, which is everything illegal here. Still, no matter what people say, we cannot grow our medicine free. We have all of our indigenous people working for some violence uh, cartels. We have a lot of issues. So the world is not um, on cannabis is not as we want, but we still there's not a, it's, there's not it's not gonna be a day without you people from our tribe with, with us our tribe being thinking in each other. Um, we are the cannabis people. We are the cannabis tribe. So we are changing that, and we are not alone. There are thousands and thousands and millions of us. And no matter what uh, other people say, no matter what our government say, we are walking the freedom <laughs> path. This is the path. We are right. We've been honored. Our answer, uh, we are just using a uh, plant. And as we using, as we growing, as we share, we are just honoring ourselves and thousands of thousands of people who live before us that already know that we need to keep community with nature. And nature are also all of that powerful plants that make us a very species as a human. We are not in the top of the change. We are just an one element of this huge nature we have to get communicate between species and every time we get in communion and uh, communion with uh, plants power plants as cannabis we are honor that feeling that we are just one more element of this beautiful <laughs> nature and we have to keep Keep the, that in mind. We're going to change that world when we realize that we had to get in communion, in communion with other species. And power plants as cannabis just remember us, open and adore in our mind that never closes again. We are walking the world, the path of the freedom. This is our tribe. This is our world. We want to just keep it going no matter what, no matter who. We are doing it. We are cannabis people. We are changing this world. Put it around the world. <laughs> yeah, so keep strong. We are, you are not alone. We are thousands of thousands of your tribe. Our That's tribe. It. Our tribe. And, and, yeah. and, and we, we all make each other so strong. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. 
that that inspirational message. Um, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Danielle, uh, what advice do you have uh, for well, our listeners? I, I think Polita did a perfect job. And again, that's why she's my soul sister <laughs> over there. And I just wanted to just join her feeling and join her words and say, free the plant, because we all have an endocannabinoid system. So you can all join us to this tribe. This is exactly for everyone. And of course, uh, research, educate, and act. That's the formula for success for everything in life, I think. So that's what I give it to all of you. So you can all help us and you can all be free of every stigma that you can be. Well, thank you both so much for joining us here today for the work that you have done in the past, for the work that you will be doing in the future, for the bright, shining model example uh, that you give to so many people about how to make the changes that we all believe in and want to see. Uh, thanks for being with us here today. Thank you. Thanks, Jaco. Thanks you, all your team. You are thank awesome. You. Thank you. You are making a really good job doing this. So thank you. I hope this conversation gave you a little flavor of some of the things that I saw and I learned on my journey to Latin America in 2019. That right next to the culture of contrabandista, the underground cannabis trade, there's a new and vibrant culture of people who are growing their own cannabis, who are using it for medicine, who are taking care of their children and their families. That a lot of the leaders of this culture in Latin America are women, and that they see their involvement with cannabis as part of a broader social struggle for equity, for justice, against femicide, against machismo, to bring equality to all of the people who have been marginalized, indigenous people, people of different orientations. I think that you've seen some of the passion and the skill, the knowledge that they have and how they've gone into the trenches, how they've rolled up their sleeves, how they've done the work of really teaching people who don't know about cannabis what it really is, how they've reached across borders, how they've inspired people and been inspired by people in different countries. And when I think about the cannabis tribe, when I think about the potential that we have, I think about hundreds of thousands of us doing this same work all together in our different countries, in our different languages, working within our different religions towards one goal, towards one world with one love. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time.